0: Friends, you're listening to another episode of A Tiny Revolution. I'm Kevin. Welcome back. This is episode 139. Well, <laughs> which just hit me. Um, wow, 130. Like that's a lot. Which means that we're creeping up on 150 episodes. Which means that we're going to be at 200 episodes sometime, like not too long in the future. How wild! Anyways, I'm so glad you're here. If you're new to the space, please holler at me. Let me know how you're feeling. Tell me how you're liking the show. And uh, what else? Like, I wanna let you guys know about something big happening coming up. I'm going on tour. We're gonna be in Fort Lauderdale. We're gonna be in Austin. We're gonna be in Minneapolis. We're gonna be in LA, San Diego. We're going to be in Portland. We're going to be in Seattle. We're gonna be all over the fucking place. And I can't tell you how fucking excited I am to be live and in person with people for the first time in over a year. Um, I'm bringing together some of my favorite humans. Some people you may have heard on this show in particular, like Joe Lumen, John Steingard, Matthias Roberts, um, and many more people who, uh, you already like, you already do know them, which is really crazy. Ooh, you hear that thunder outside. Um, anyways, I'm really, really excited. You need to keep your eyes peeled to my social media. So please go follow me there and also get on my mailing list at thekevangarcia.com to make sure that you stay in the loop. And just so you know, all of my patron friends who help support this podcast, as well as everything else we're making, y'all are going to get first access to tickets. So get pumped, get excited. And if you want early access to tickets and want to support the show and want to support the tour in general and just support, you know, more spaces that are inclusive and free, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash Garcia and become a part of the spiritual reformation movement binge. I'm also putting together a cohort of, of spiritual seekers over the summer. So if, this, if you're at a point in your life where like, I don't know what to do. I'm ready for some transformation. I'm ready to change my mind. I'm ready to get some new practices and you need to do it in community and with someone who's going to help you actually implement these new things i want you to come be a part of this cohort again all the information is going to be posted to patreon first um but just uh, all the regular humans you keep your eyes peeled to my sos my sos ew don't ever let me say that my social media i don't like it when people say social means i think it's very annoying anyways uh, that's what i've got to tell you on that front there's also new merch coming out so please keep your eyes uh on the horizon so many good things Um, Today on the podcast, I've got the world-renowned theologian. Um, Beautiful, wonderful, smart, powerful, and I mean an accent to just like, oof, you know, flood your basement, if you will. I've got my man Phil Drysdale on the show today. Phil's a podcaster, a content creator, and has been doing the work of deconstruction. Uh, He's like, you know, when the word deconstruction was coming into vogue, he was like, oh yeah, I'm already doing that. And I'm already like helping people through it. He's the creator of the Deconstruction Network, a uh, a network for folks who are looking to connect with other folks who are deconstructing on the local level. Um, Today on the podcast, um, we actually go over some research that uh, he's been working on and collaborating, basically asking the question, like, who are deconstructing Christians? Who are they? Why are they very isolated? Why is it hurting us? Why is it hurting everybody? And why is this movement needed now? So I'm excited about sharing this space with him. Please make sure you go follow him across social media. Make sure you follow the deconstructionist, the deconstruction network. Oh man, let me just you know, what, let's just go ahead and get into it, baby. Let's get into it. This is my conversation with Phil Drysdale.
1: Uh, do my best to try and create space for people that are deconstructing to process, to grow, to figure out where they're going to land if there is a landing spot, or at least kind of figure out the the stumbling through life in a little bit of an easier and more healthy way or whatever that looks like. Um, and so that looks like Putting out some content in my podcast, which is like just talking to people that are going through deconstruction, talking to different experts in different fields, people that, you know, help people process grief of losing their faith or religious trauma and different things like that. Um, Talk to people all day, every day on Instagram. I got a website called the Deconstruction Network. And through that, um, we're helping people find other people that are deconstructing locally. Because that's a real hard thing. Like for a lot of people when they deconstruct, um, you know, there's actually similar parallels to people in the LGBT community that come out and suddenly lose family friends relationships if they're in a particular kind of maybe more conservative environment a lot of people that start to come out and go I don't know if I believe the same faith as you lot right I mean suddenly mm-hmm. family friends community church might turn on their backs on them and and, it, and it's by no means um as hard a transition it is for a lot of the LGBTq community by mm-hmm. any means because it's not inherently really? your identity but it is an identity that most people have crafted for decades they they mm-hmm. don't know anything else a lot of these people and suddenly they're really not sure what they believe not sure if what way is up is there a god all that kind of stuff and their mom and dad are saying bugger off we don't want you you're, you're screw you guys or whatever right that they're they're, they're, suddenly turning, they're complete backs on you their, your family your friends your church is kicking you mm-hmm. out you have no community it's, it's a very isolating and painful journey so my goal is to be there for people my goal is to connect people help people find each other um and yeah just hopefully change the narrative as well because the narrative on people that deconstruct is oh they didn't believe they weren't mm-hmm. serious about their faith they just wanted to sin they whatever it is right and that and is the lord gave
0: wrong. them over
1: to their depravity there you go. Well, the, the demons got them. They're, they're possessed. I mean,
0: it's all kinds of crazy things. That if, I mean, if I'm you are, just for the right. Yeah, well. <laughs> <Are> the demons <laughs> of homosexuality that I let into my body. That's a there fact. You go. Jack, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. It's, it's,
1: it's serious though, because you don't have a choice. If you're a conservative, conventional mm-hmm. Christian, you have to either reject the kind of core beliefs that you have that are very unwavering, very black and white. Or yeah. you have to reject your friend, your son, your uh congregant, you know, whatever it is. Like and when you're left with those two choices, you end up really hurting. Um
0: but yeah. but you Including don't have a yourself, especially yourself. Mm, big time. Everyone loses in this kind of battle. Um That's what's so, yeah. so crazy to me. It's just like I'm like, you do realize that you are letting both of us lose. Like you are letting this happen because, like, there is an alternative. There's a different way of being in the world. Just look at it. Just stop judging it for half a second and just look at it. Mm. That's the thing that kills me so often. Is like so many folks like look at deconstructing people or evolve evolved faith or evolving faith. If you you know non spawn hashtag non spawn Sarah <laughs> Betsy. If you're listening, please hire me to speak on that. Hire both of us to speak on that conference. God damn it. <laughs> She doesn't listen to my stuff. That's funny. But if she does, then <laughs> kudos to Let's you, Sarah. Um, anyways, they do that thing where they just, we get written off and it's like, your faith was inauthentic. It's like, how, f- it's like, I look at someone yeah. and, like, and I want to say, how fucking dare you? like it's that's crazy. That's what, I'm like, you, like, that's something that really kills me. It's like when someone, it was like, it happened to me on the Instagram the other day. Mm -hmm. Where someone said just like, you're interpreting scripture wrong. I'm just like, hold on, hold on. (laughs) We don't do that here. And it's just like, oh, you're not a Christian. It's like, oh, like, and then all of a sudden, because I'm not strictly a Christian, they want to disengage with me because all of a sudden I'm not worthy enough to have an intelligent dialogue with. Mm -hmm. Come on. It's. It's really painful to see, but it's a defense mechanism more than anything,
1: right? It's Next. a thing of like, we can't, I mean, if you were, an uh, if you weren't a Christian, but you've never been a Christian, there's a component of like, oh, you're a new project for me to try and save. But when you are a Christian who's left, like when when we look at how Christians um, see the world, there is mm-hmm. everyone. And then there's the people that are in Christians and mm-hmm. they see spiritual growth and progression and, and evolution as a place of coming out of being with God to a place mm. of being with God. It's out mm. the church to in the church. And it's just this either or. That is spiritual progression. You're in or out. um And so the problem is that spiritual growth doesn't really work like that at all. It's like mm. this ongoing, ever evolving, changing yes, thing that yes, yes. we all grow in, whatever that looks like. Even if you're atheist, I, when I talk about spirituality, I'm just meaning the way that we frame the world and give meaning to this world and then mm. an identity to ourselves and purpose and, and all that. So even if you're doing that, like you're on some level giving a spiritual parameter to the world, as, as I'd see it. Um, so this spiritual growth is an evolution. So there's constant growth. So we see someone that grows and changes, and we celebrate that. But someone that's a Christian sees a Christian grow to a point where they go, oh, I'm not in the same place as you anymore. Well, because there's an in or out, that's the only options. You just go mm-hmm. back to being out. And it's seen as a backsliding, right? Because there's nothing mm-hmm. ahead of us. Nothing is ahead of us. We're here. We arrived. We're in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing is back there, and so if you change, you've gone back. You're seen as someone that would go back to the world, yeah. Back to you know X, Y, and Z, and it, and it's basically, like a dog it, returneth
0: to its vomit. If there you we will. go.
1: Throw a proverb in for it. Yeah, it's just Listen, it's, it's, it's I
0: really sad, And it is that is the thing. Is like it is like people would look at people look at us and they're just like, oh, you didn't really believe, you didn't really yeah. love God, you weren't really down for the ride, and it's just like right you know what you're right that's what i just ended up saying i was like you're right yeah i couldn't i couldn't handle it it was too much you guys i just fucking (laughs) hate god and like for me like that's the attitude i have it's just like if that's what you think fine go off live your life i don't want to talk to you now are we done Mm -hmm. here because like and i think that's it is both I think like a point of growth and also kind of a defense mechanism because at the end of the day, like I have, it's, it's pity that I have in my heart. Now I feel like Mm -hmm. first, like it's anger because it's bullshit the way I'm being treated and how anybody gets treated. Uh, And then on the, the the next part of that, it's almost just like, Oh, you don't know how free you could be. You are unaware of how, yeah much space you could have you're unaware of how much god actually loves you that sucks it must yeah. be very hard to live in your your body
1: yeah and i think it's amazing how quick like so there's a, a fascinating component about the human brain and how we remember so when you remember uh, being 10 and a particular event that happens at 10, what's amazing is you remember the incidents Mm -hmm. relatively well. You you basically remember all the times you've remembered it combined. Mm -hmm. So like you don't really remember the incident very well, but better than a lot of things. But Mm -hmm. when you remember how you felt and your emotional and psychological component within that, you have the same psychological component you have today. And what it does Mm -hmm. is it jades every memory that you, Kevin 10 years ago, thought the way you do today. It's really hard for you to think the way you thought 10 years ago. It's really hard. And what that does is when people do go through a radical shift in faith, a deconstruction, a deconversion, a disaffiliation, whatever terms we use for that, um what happens is we suddenly forget just how impossible it was to see the world a different way and so when we're talking yes. to a person we're going what the fuck is wrong with this moron like i'm putting out this really rational logical thing this is why it doesn't work this is why it doesn't click for me anymore this is why that's not loving can't you see this is not loving but you forget mm-hmm. that 10 years ago you didn't see that either you exactly. had no component within you that could put oh, those no. dots together and make the picture and go oh yeah no you're right and on some level, what, what you're talking about there, it's it's the most healthy thing to do to kind of go, I have to take a step back and recognize this person is not um at a psychological stage on which they can have this conversation. Mm-hmm. It's it's not that they are games. inferior or or anything. Like it's it's like um, you know, a, a toddler isn't inferior to a teenager. Right. But if you were having a conversation with the two of them, you would change the way you talk and you'd also go, Well, I'm not even gonna bring up certain topics with a toddler, right? They're not ready. Right. Um, it's just not going to happen and so you understand as people grow psychologically that there some people just are not in a place to have that kind of conversation they just aren't mm-hmm. right if your whole worldview yeah. is built around uh, a person in charge a, a, a ordained by god a pastor a priest a pope and he reads from a rule book that was given by god and handwritten the bible and this is what it says and if it if you do anything different then you are going to go to hell and burn forever i can understand why you can't let your gay kid live in the house. That I don't think it. it's right, but I can see why you're really in a rock
0: and a hard place situation here. Be, like, and that's I get the, it. That's like the crux right there. It's the hell question. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's oh, a, I don't want to burn in hell forever. <laughs> like, like, it is truly <laughs> eternal damnation that is mm-hmm. keeping people doing this thing. And the, the problem is is that they are damned now, not later. Like They're damned yeah. by the hell they think exists. And it's like... Yeah. Oh God. It's so painful. That's like, what that's the most painful thing because like, I know that sometimes with like, you know, the way that I wish family engaged with my work or the way that I wish people would, you know, love me better. It's just like, I think it's like a, a pity that they don't know. And also it's just like, I've seen people change because I have changed. And I, so I know that you could too, if you, if you just it's like, if you could just let go just a touch, if you could just imagine for a moment that God wasn't angry, if yep. you could just think that what if, some, like, I, I, that's oh. what gets me so frustrated and I come to the end of myself. It's like, you know, I can argue all day till I'm blue in the face about like, you know, a, a, a biblical case for inclusion of queer folks in the church. But at the end of the day, Like some people, it's not about the fucking Bible anymore. They keep claiming it's about it, but that's not it Mm -hmm. because you don't, you don't even look at the Bible for what it is. That's what's so frustrating to me is like, we (laughs) take, we, the Royal, we, those of us who have gone through deconstruction, typically, take the Bible so seriously and thus have have to see it as it actually is. And for many of us, Mm -hmm. that means we have to step away from it, reject it, or at least change our relationship to it in order to maintain a relationship if we still want it. And all these other people over here thinking that because they've read a goddamn Joyce Myers commentary (laughs) or a, you know, Joel Osteen, like, live your best life, you know, podcast, that all of a sudden they know the way to God. Yeah. And V, T-H-E with a capital T, like V way. Yeah. And it just blows my mind. I'm just like, we're some of the smartest motherfuckers out here, you know? Yeah. Well, this stage though, so it's
1: really interesting, but this stage of psychological um, kind of framework, it prioritizes three main components, which is really fascinating because when I say these three things to you, you'll be like, yeah, they're kind of important, but that's not what drives me. But mm. this is what drives a person at this state. It's mm. safety, certainty, and security. Now, we all, at a very fundamental level, want those things, right? If I mm. suddenly took away your security and made you feel really unsafe, you'd want them back real quick, right? Mm. We, we all go... <gasps> don't make me feel unsafe, right? (laughs) If someone Mm -hmm. pulls out a gun in the room, we're like, oh, Jesus, okay, I feel like I want to make this situation safer. Um, But this is the driving force for the majority of people that still find themselves in these kind of traditional models of of institutional church, whatever it is. Um, They they want safety, certainty, and security. And so when you go, the Bible might not say it that way, might be a bit more complex than that. What you're Mm -hmm. doing is you're taking away certainty. You're creating uncertainty because then, well, how do we know? Like, are you telling me that even if you said, well, God showed up in a dream and told me this, that would be a better answer because at least it's a nice <laughs> kind of clear certain thing, right? In fact, I, I remember one time Wait, I spoke in a dream Dreams are
0: certain. Like I well, can say I got, it's more,
1: it's more black and white than like, there's 12 different ways to read this passage. And really you're going to have uh, to just weigh it up and figure out what you think is the right thing. That is ambiguous as hell. And it does not give me certainty, security, safety as a rigid, traditional kind of conformist. Hmm. Um, um It's really tough.
0: Pause. So if I were to liken that to my own conversation around giving, like talking about my experience as a queer person of faith, Mm. because it is we established. It's not really about the Bible. And because if you attack their certainty around the Bible, that's just going to push them further into the trenches. So it's easier to say, I know that this is what we've traditionally believed, but when I really sat with God, this is what I felt God was saying to me in my life and my body. And I don't know what else to do with that. And they're, they're, they're more likely to pick that up. Well, depending, depending on the person. Possibly, it, possibly. Yeah, be, because either they're just going to say, well, you're just choosing to sin. Um, you're rejecting what's in the Bible or what's in my interpretation of the Bible. Mm-hmm. However, comma, there may be somebody out there who is more likely to be moved by personal story uh, and anecdote than they are by a quote unquote logical, not even quote unquote, but a biological discussion of, on the efficacy of the Bible. See? Yeah.
1: No, I've had people are such different places that I think this is where it comes to like listening is such an amazing thing. And and it's and it sucks balls. It really does. Like um, and Not in the fun
0: way, people. And, and I'm just gonna say, if you way. love
1: sucking balls, like I'm sorry for the the probably terrible analogy, but no, no, no,
0: no, no. I, I would just say like, uh, someone says like I'm like, oh, that sucks, <laughs> but not in the fun way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but I was just it, preface it as, like it sucks balls, but not in the fun way. Sucking balls can be great. Uh,
1: uh, if if that's your jam, <laughs> that's going all means the, get right in there. Quote of the episode right there. Sucking still. balls can be great. With um, guys, <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, keep
1: going. <laughs> Still not the most controversial title I've, I've had thrown at me. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's unfair. It's ridiculous that we look at the people that are going through um, really hard seasons, really tough seasons. They've, they've lost friends, they've lost family, they've been kicked out of communities. And they themselves are uncertain of where they're going, if there's a God, who they are, what was the purpose of their life? Have they wasted the last five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? You know, like, all that this stuff right is going there, around. That right there. And yet, on some level, the way to bring healing to these situations is to sit down and listen to the person that is pouring salt in your wound. Because until you listen and go, oh, this is where you're at. Your your primary needs are you need to feel safe. And me being having a slightly different interpretation on what Jesus looks like, or me having a different way of reading the Bible makes you feel really unsafe. How can I help you make feel safe? That's that's really shitty mm-hmm. that it's the person that is. Yeah, Being kicked to the curb. That has to take the high roads, right? Yeah, I, mean, I hate that phrase on some level, but it it's no, very it's... real on some level. Of they aren't
0: able to do that. No, not even they real. They see the world at such
1: a black and white level. You know, yeah. like that any gray just is it just gets swept under the rug.
0: Yeah, and any rainbows too, for that matter. <laughs> big time. Yeah. Oh God, we can't even tolerate gray, which.
1: Uh, yeah, well, there's, there's just no room for for anything other than a very black and white dualistic yep. approach to a conversation, and and unfortunately, when you have been, when you're the one that's tr- transcended some black mm-hmm. and white way of seeing the world, mm-hmm. it it whether you like it or not, whether it's fair or not, and maybe it, I, I, there's absolute. I'm not saying this is something you have to do either. I think mm-hmm. you have to take a step back, heal, find space, create boundaries, whatever. But mm-hmm. when you are ready, and you go, I really would like to bring some healing to these conversations. Honestly, the only person that's going to be able to start that conversation is you. You're not going to be able to expect your racist, uh, xenophobe, uh, homophobe grandma to start healing that relationship, right? She's not going to nope. start that one. You nope. have to figure out how on earth do I even begin to help yeah. her feel a bit more safe and a bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And and that's unfair. But I think most of us grow can get to that place. Yeah, you know, it's, where, it's we're, the, we're the question of
0: like, what do, you, what do you want? And you mm-hmm. got to so I, uh, something I, someone, it's a idea someone gave me as well as like an idea that I use on a lot of stuff. is just like the price of admission with a relate. every relationship has a price of admission, if you will, mm. to come in and ride the rides and get all the things. Um, and so if I think about having to have a relationship with my, you know, racist uncle or whoever it is in my family, um, or my family member who voted for Trump it's like, okay, so if I have to have a relationship with them. And I want to actually, A, enjoy my time when I'm around them. Or at least, B, be able to tolerate being around them without getting mm. triggered a whole bunch. What do I, what's the price? Like, do I have to shut down myself? Do I have to turn down my queerness? Do I need to uh, be less myself? Do I need to not talk about certain subjects? Like, something my mom always tells me, just remember, you know, we don't talk about religion and politics around the table. And I'm like, yeah. Mom, I know. I know that when I come home, I have to shut myself down. I understand that. And that's why I limit me coming home to 72 hours. Because by that point, I'm about to cuss all of you out. Because I choose to pay the price of admission of biting my tongue so I can be around my family. Because right now, I don't have the kindness or compassion in my heart to have those really, 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 really hard conversations. Because because of the work I do with the people that I work with and what I want to do with my life. It's just like this, this is another reality that I also kind of just live with is like, sometimes your family's not going to get it from you. No, that's the most painful thing because like who, who, it's that there's still in their mind, a power dynamic difference yeah. within the relationship. It's an, it's inequity. They see you, they will see you as their child or mm-hmm. they see you as your backslidden parishioner or in their mind, you are a fixed point in history. Yeah. And if you're not like that person, then that's not the real you for whatever reason. And so, and they fail to see you right now. And that no, this is real. This is who I am. This is who I've always been. In some ways, yeah, yeah. You know, someone who's been curious, someone who's been asking questions. And you're right; it is painful, and it's not fair. But again, it's like, what do you want? And if at the end of the day, like, just ask: like, yeah. When is the price too high? Yeah, because for many people, like, like when is the price too high? Is it going to be like when? Like, are you going to wait for you to get married to draw mm-hmm. the line? Are you going to wait to? Have your kid, you know, come out for you to draw the line. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's like, yeah. I. have For me, like, and maybe this is just this. I know a lot of people experience this, but I think this is like a very queer. Uh, this is where I think where queer folks and just post evangelicals have so much in common around losing family, mm. because, goddamn. Like, and also for me, it's just like, I I love so much queering the idea of family and really like, yeah, I mourn my losses. I miss my family, but God, like I can spend the holidays with people that love me and I love them fully and we can get drunk and stoned rather than going home and like having to like be around a zillion billion babies, which like babies aren't bad, but when there's a zillion billion of them, it's a lot of babies and I don't want to deal with a zillion billion babies. no. I don't think anyone does well, really. <laughs> yeah, some people do. It's, not me. My mom does. She loves the zillion billion babies.
1: There you go. There's there's a few crazy people out there. But uh yeah. It's 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 a really tough dynamic as well because we it's it's again understanding where people are at and what they're capable of and remembering that actually at some point I wasn't able to do this either and and you your whole brain is wired for safety, not truth. So the human brain over the hundreds of thousands of years did not mm. evolve to go, what's true? It doesn't give a shit what's true. It evolved to go, yes. is that a tiger or not? Right? Or whatever, right? Is this poisonous or not? Like, am I safe right now? Um and so the people that survived were the ones that were very, very, very resistant to being unsafe. And so mm. when you um uh, be- sit down uh, with your cool. right when you sit down with your parents and go, hey, I'm queer. And they go, Oh my God. Right now, my first thought is... I love my kid. I want to be with my kid. I want a relationship with my kid, but I'm starting to feel unsafe because I also know that Barbara at church is never going to talk to me again. And the pastor is going to ask us to leave and we're going to lose our community. And then what will we have if we don't have a community and how will we you know, get by? And and, and so immediately we start thinking to different components of what makes us feel safe, right? And maybe maybe your dad's a pastor and he's like, Jesus, if my, if my kid's queer, I'm going to get fired. Like, And then what am I going to do? No one's going to employ a pastor with a queer kid, you know, whatever it is that immediately the things they're thinking is not firsthand. Oh, well, what's true? Maybe I should reevaluate truth. No, no, no. Their first thought is how do I remain safe? How do I keep eating, keeping food on the table? Now, of course, a lot of these things aren't actually linked to survival these days, right? I mean, we're so far beyond that. But we have evolved very quickly um as a society in our in our structure but the human body is still very much wired in these very primitive ways in a lot of ways and Mm -hmm. and i think it's really important that we try and remember that when we look at people that are just being so intolerant black and white harsh dismissive because Mm -hmm. the truth is if we go back far enough we were that person. I'm sure I I remember talking to you on on my podcast about your journey. You were that person to yourself because you didn't have a choice and you needed to be safe, right? So to be safe, I need to stay in this group and not let them really fully know that the the true me, and maybe I can figure out a way to even change who I am so I can feel safe. The first thing is not truth safe. But the other thing I would say as well is like, uh, it's been shown again and again and again that people at this stage don't evolve because new information is given to them or new truth mm-hmm. is given to them. So, they generally speaking, you sit down and you teach them about the Bible, things like that, it's not going to help. People evolve from this stage of thinking through suffering, permanently, through a state of Come huge suffering. Through. And none of us like to hear that. But the truth is, that's how most of us got to where we are, is through Ah. some form of suffering. Um, And the truth is, you got to the point of maybe suffering and going, I can't do this anymore. I can't not be myself. I can't not. This is costing, right? What's the price? It's costing me too much. I need to move on. And and so if you are facing a parent that is rejecting you because you've deconstructed your faith, if the price of losing their son or daughter or whatever um, because of deconstruction wasn't a high enough suffering, for them to keep you in the, in the faith and maybe start questioning their own faith. Guess what? You explain what the Bible really says about hell or what their Bible really says about queer people or whatever. That's not going to do it. They, they need a whole nother level of suffering. And I'm not wishing that upon them. No one wishes these sufferings. And then honestly, mm. on some level, I hope their worldview works for them on some level where I'm not excited about the hurt it causes and i'm not uh you know wishing that they hurt anyone but on some level i'm like i don't wish any form of suffering i don't wish they get cancer to start questioning if god is really real i don't wish that they lose a loved one or they you know whatever they lose another kid or another you know to to non-belief or you know all these sufferings i don't wish that upon them but it's going to take that probably for them to grow um, and, and that's just what the data says. The data says it's through suffering that people yes. make these leaps of, of, of yeah. evolution, evolutionary states in our psychology and in the way we can see things. Mm. Um, and so I think it's, it's really important that uh, this is something that most people that deconstruct don't realize because when you first deconstruct, you think. Generally speaking, it's a rational, logical conclusion because you become when you move from that state of looking to authority figures, looking to all these different things, you start to go, no, I'm the authority figure. I can rationalize, I can reason this out, I can study this, I can figure it out. So what you think is that the reason you deconstructed is you figured things out and you're really clever and you you logically and rationally figured it out. That's not Mm -hmm. true. That's a side effect, and that's the new stage you're in, and that's how you're psychologically wired to work now. But it's not how you got there. And so, but the default is that we try and get people there by our side effect rather than by the mechanism we got there. And the truth is sometimes you just have to wait for the, to be enough external pressure on that person for them to change. Um, and that sucks because I don't want to wait for mom for 20 years before she'll accept me or whatever it looks like. mm -hmm. Right.
0: And this is something where I think this is like two, like healing to level 201, you know, that we do this. I think this is like at the very top of one Oh one. Actually. no, 101 is just, like, get yourself safe. 201. Yeah, this is a whole nother level. 201. This two hundred one. I do until you're healthy. Yeah, I think we're talking, like, 301 level shit right now. Really, <laughs> honestly. Or, you know, uh, 501. We're on master's level healing shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Say, there's a whole bunch
1: of people watching this podcast going, these idiots. They're on, like, I you exact. know, like, they've not even hit 101.
0: <laughs> but, Listen, yeah, we're, we're here. right yeah, on top. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We really understand it clearly. Um, no, but the what I tell my... Um, what I, I talk about with my clients when like we're dealing with any form of like if we're defensive about something, you know, if something like causes, uh, disturbs our peace is a, a phrase I mm-hmm. use a lot. Like if something disturbs your peace, knocks you off your center, that's data to pay attention to. It's like, okay, so what was it about this thing that threatened me? That's the question. Does this thing actually threaten me? Does my family actually threaten me? Mm-hmm. So like something I think about too is like, we're able like, if you can get to this place where you can detach from the outcome of what you want from your family, and this is going to be like some kind of, I don't know. It's it's, it's this thing of like forgiveness for me has nothing to do with changing them at all, but changing my mind about like how much power I give them. Mm. You know, so it's like, for me, it's like, I've lowered my expectations with a lot of people to the point of just like I don't expect you to be kind because you don't have that capacity. I yeah. do not expect you to be able to love me because you've demonstrated that you can't. So what am I going to do in this thing? And just like, I'm going to try to enjoy being around you. Or if I can't do that, I'm going to put distance between us because at the end of the day, the most loving thing I can do is for me to just keep myself healthy. A. And if I am engaging with you, whoever the, you know, you is. I just have to realize it's like you really don't have any power to hurt me. But if you make me feel bad all the time, I ain't got to stick around. It's yeah, that, it, exactly. And that's the thing with people is like you, you're right. You cannot wait around 20 years for your mama to love you or your daddy to love you, or whoever, for your pastor to accept you, or for someone to give you a stamp of approval for you to start living mm-hmm. your life the way you want to. To start mm-hmm. living in such a way where like, the words like God and church don't trigger you. I had this conversation with one of my clients. She was just like, yeah, God's just not a good guy in my head. I'm just like, well, first of all, God's not a guy. <laughs> like, the fact that you even have, like, God's not a good guy, I'm just yeah. like, what you, th- yeah, you're right, that version of God that you had in your head you know that version of church, that version of Christianity that still triggers you, yeah, that's real, that exists and you're not there anymore. Yeah. And it the oh, it's just like when we, we when we can recognize that the past is over, it can't really touch us anymore. It's it's all in our heads. And this is all easier said than done. I've been in therapy yeah, for 3 years. I'm on good meds. I've got a dope ass meditation practice and I've kind of built a life where around like I have access to this like So I'm talking from the place of like someone who invested a shit ton of time in it. And that's the thing. The only difference between my healing and anybody else's healing is time. Mm -hmm. Like the difference between me and somebody else might be three years of therapy, you know, for other people, it might be one yoga class away from enlightenment. I don't know, but it doesn't matter because like my journey will not be yours. Like Phil's journey cannot be mine, you know, just like, and, it's, it's, uh, and the thing is, the reason like we don't want to do it is because we hate the feeling. We hate the suffering. Oh, yeah. So we would do everything to stave it off, and we make religions out of Enneagrams, right?
1: Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. In order
0: to in, in order to stave off the feeling of uncertainty and lack of safety. It's like mm-hmm. when you can realize that you are safe in your own body, or as one of my friends, Peggy, says, safe in my own hands.
1: Mm.
0: When you can realize that you're safe in your own hands. And that these hands are God's hands. Ooh, come on, somebody. Yeah. Ooh, when you can realize that you are safe in God's hands, which are your own, a lot can start to change. I like that. Ugh, so good. Damn, baby. Yeah, that's good. It's good stuff. We didn't. We didn't even like touch on. I want to touch a little bit. Like, I know that it's like we got we're running out. Okay. But you did an actual study, like, and gathered a bunch of data on, like. Mm-hmm. So talk about all the data and whatnot and all the cool okay. shit that you learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well and yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, this is um this is an ongoing meta study. So this is gonna be years and years and years. We're slowly piecing together. We've got a whole bunch of people that are volunteering by doing a you know five, ten minute survey once or twice a year. Um and over time that data is gonna compound and adds to itself, which is gonna make fascinating fascinating correlations and interesting things we can look at so this initial study was very very baseline and what it was is actually we were trying to find out um before we started anywhere i'm working with a research company in the uk and they were like who are deconstructing people anyway right because they're like uh, they're like Ooh. a faith-based de- uh, research company and so i'm like i want to research this group i need some help my friend runs this uh this research company and he's like okay he's like that's great he's like so first question who's a deconstructing christian and i'm like i don't know like I've worked for deconstructing Christians for like almost 10 years, you know, and I don't know. I don't know. How do you define that? And so we ah. sat down and we did the work and we you know, looked into Derrida, who's the philosopher that came up with the term deconstruction. And we looked at like different groups and we I talked to different thought leaders in the area that like work with people that deconstruct and, and basically it boiled down to three key components. And so the first study was really, if we ask people that self-describe as a deconstructing Christian, do they actually line up with this definition that we've kind of come up with? Um, mm-hmm. and, and and overwhelmingly they do, but but the three components of what it looks like to deconstruct is that the first one is that you question core values of your faith tradition, mm-hmm. um, and so not like uh, oh I think Jesus will come back uh, after the rapture, not before the or you know like these kind of like fringe things. That actually, you probably go out on most churches to kind of be like yeah, we don't really care about that. You, you're fine, just sit down, keep mm-hmm. keep typing. Um But if yeah, people diving. that are going, <laughs> people are like uh, I don't know if. Uh, jesus was god i don't know if uh there is a god or i I think god's maybe a a woman not a man or like some things that like that's gonna get you in real trouble in a lot of different faith traditions so you have to be questioning some real core values it's not people that are um some people just kind of shift from being a charismatic to a baptist like well i'm not sure god heals today and like that's not a deconstruction that's just a kind of like slight sideways shift on a a lateral lateral movement Exactly. And the second component is that after questioning a core value, it didn't hold up and you had to change it to something completely different. So it's, it's that you, you are then shifting to believe something completely different. And this is where one thing that really pisses me off is people that talk about reconstruction as something that, um, people that deconstruct, well, they've got to reconstruct at some point. Deconstruction yes. is destructive, blah, 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 blah. It's not true because deconstruction is reconstructive. Yes. You can't lose one belief without replacing it with something else.
0: Thank you very much. Even if
1: you're, even if the thing you replace it with is I'm not that sure right now, that's a belief. That's something you're holding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so deconstruction is not just destroying your beliefs. It's actually picking up new things to replace those beliefs mm-hmm. with. Um, and so that's a, a big component and it's why you see a lot of people peddling reconstruction generally speaking in the christian space because reconstruction means build what you left um but do it in a way that makes us feel comfortable um and, and i think there's a lot of good people out there that are using that term and they're, they're helping people i'm not saying they're not um, but generally speaking um, yeah I'm when people first it. deconstruct they, they're looking for still what's interesting because they've come from that place of safety certainty and security and they're very black and white when they first deconstruct they're looking for a new black and white kind of paradigm and people that are pushing a reconstruction on them actually they hijack people's deconstruction journey. They hijack people's spiritual evolution when by offering very, them very a vulnerable. new fundamental package. And, and it's a really, it's, in my opinion, it's quite an abusive thing. I don't think it's intentional. I found myself uh, on self-reflection. I was like, oh God, I'm doing this unintentionally when I first started doing this and helping people because I saw the world quite fundamentally. People would come to me and go, I'm losing my faith. I don't know if I believe this. And I'm like, oh, well, you should read this book. This is what I believe. And I'm like, oh, looking back, I'm like, God, I was just like, hijacking their journey i was prescribing what they should be believing or doing so that's the second component the third component this is a huge one and this is actually what we found is a lot of people that call themselves deconstructing christians aren't deconstructing um now they're fully welcome in this community they are absolutely here and we love them and ex-evangelicals and all these groups like all wonderful oh, beautiful I so. community Mm-hmm. Are you feel a bit nervous? Are you like, shit, am I deconstructing? No, no, no. Yeah, I really like, <laughs> me,
0: am I deconstructing? The, the,
1: I third, the third component is that you have to, whatever you've picked up as your new replacement of what you used to believe is your core values, whatever you pick up, you have to hold it looser than what you held before. You have to have less cool. certainty today than you used to. And that's that's one of the core components of the philosophical movement of deconstruction is that Derrida put forward that people lose certainty as they progress, not gain certainty. Um, And so what you find is a lot of people – a good example of this might be a lot of progressive Christians. Progressive Christians tend not to fall into the bracket of deconstruction. Generally, it's a great description of people who got hijacked in their deconstruction. Um, But progressive Christianity, generally speaking, is just as fundamental as conservative Christianity. It's just fundamental about very different things that I think are very good, right? I mean, they are like, you know, you can't be here if you don't affirm people. And I'm like, oh, that seems better than you can't be here if you're gay. Like, I'm I'm like, okay, great. But it's still very black and white fundamental. Like, this is the one way to see the world. So they still have a lot of like, God looks like Mm -hmm. this. Jesus is this. This is what it looks like to be a Christian.
0: Yeah, this is what we do in this community. And if you want to be a part of this community, you got to look and sing like us. Or so there's a lot
1: of- Or like, not even like people.
0: you don't have to, but if you would like to belong here, that's how we do it yes. around here. Yeah,
1: it's still, still very inclusive. I, I love progressive church. Oh, I think It's a really course. helpful place for a lot of people to land because I don't think everyone has to deconstruct. Um, but, I, but that was something that we found anyway. It's quite interesting. So what we found is that as you look at the community of people that deconstruct, there's all sorts of interesting things that we we, we came across. One of the things we found is do you know that 32% of people that deconstruct still go to church?
0: So Only 32%? That
1: one third of people that are deconstructing are at church, basically. Um, hmm. And what's interesting is is that statistic goes up substantially when they're early in their deconstruction. As they progress in their deconstruction, as we as we met people that are like have deconstructed for a long time and have evolved and, and matured in their deconstruction, they're seven times more likely not to go to church than someone that's just starting their deconstruction. Which probably doesn't surprise people. But I was quite surprised that, um, you know, uh, generally speaking, the, the narrative around deconstruction is that, oh, they're the dechurched. But that's a very unfair correlation. Dechurched mm-hmm. people don't go to church. Apparently, deconstructed, quite a few of them still go to church. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's different components in there. What's interesting is then we looked at things like, how does gender influence this? Now, I'm really gutted because we have about 450 people in our pool of data and we had six people that, um, were non-binary, and so unfortunately we could only look at the data from a binary perspective. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited because our our pool of of people uh, contributing to research is growing every day. If you're listening to this and you'd like to contribute, if you'd like to be a part of this, yes. head to the deconstructionnetwork.com. Especially if you're non-binary, especially if you are um, of any form of uh, minority grouping or, or whatever uh, the right term would that be, whether it's race, sexuality, gender, whatever it is, if, if you're you ain't not a only white, represented, show if you ain't up. a white person, <laughs> if you ain't
0: a cis <laughs> person, this is for you. Exactly. G-O-C's Honestly, I'd, queer I'd, I'd love to see more people
1: involved because uh, it, it really is frustrating because some of the data we're seeing just on that binary split is fascinating. So things like um, on that church attendance, if you are female – you're twice as likely to leave as a male.
0: That makes total sense to
1: me. Twice as likely. Now, of course it makes sense, right? Because females, first of all, have way more stuff to deconstruct, right? This church is still, it's going to tolerate men asking questions much more than it will tolerate women asking
0: questions. You you better say that. Yeah? Um,
1: So, but what does it look like if we can then look beyond that, right? If we start introducing people that don't fall into a very clear cis male, cis female category, um, I don't know i mean but i'm guessing from anecdotal experience i'm sure you have a lot of anecdotal experience on this the, the data is going to be a lot more than twice as likely right i mean this is going to be crazy but i what i'm hoping is we can start to show data on this like we can start turning around and showing people hey you realize that your approach to women, you realize your approach to um non-cis uh, gendered people is one of the key components of driving them out of the church. Um, th- It probably won't change much, but maybe maybe it becomes an external factor that puts pressure that changes things. These these kind of data.
0: The only thing I want to see is when this when there's enough data to create like a book and a study about this shit. Mm. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait because like this is so. I'm so thrilled that you're doing this, and I. Who who can we send? How can we send you money to fund (laughs) this research? Well.
1: I'm serious. The, the, the big thing right now. Yeah, you know, well, absolutely. People, people, basically, um, all of my income goes towards what I'm doing. Like we, we live a very frugal life, me and my wife. And basically everything else goes into building the deconstruction network so people can connect, so we can do the research. So I can be putting out different, um, resources. And so people can, uh, check out my Patreon. It's just Patreon slash Phil Drysdale yeah um, that's that's a great way to do it There's, i have a little um discords discussion community as well for people so it's it's a great way to have a bit more of an intimate community as well of people that are deconstructing so that's um great as well but there, so there is a small report that uh, is small but seven thousand words so it's still quite small a small 35 right? pages or whatever To so how that took forever because i'm not the most academic person i mean i love that stuff but i'm that's yeah. not how i'm wired by default no no um, no. But, and still, so like, there is. Gonna- There's a lot more data out there and I've got like some little infographics I've posted on Instagram for people like me right? I make material for myself. This is why my podcast is like just be talking to friends because I'm like, I'd like this conversation. So I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same with the, re- the reports and stuff. I'm like, I write these long reports and I'm like, God, I would never read a 35 page report on this shit. I just quickly skim, look at the images and the charts. And and I'm like, oh, I'll just make an infographic. That's what I really want. Um, so people can check out the infographics and stuff, but there is, there is reports and, and long-term I'm excited. We're going to, every year we're going to be putting out one or two new reports. So our next report is going to, we're going to look at who deconstructs. So how involved were they in church? How involved were they in their spirituality? What, where are they at now? Like, what, What's their journey like? Because one of the big myths that people put across is that people weren't involved in their church. They weren't serious about their faith. But actually, the studies show so far that people at D-Church, which is the closest group I can look at, they, are the most, they were more involved in their church than the average person in church. They knew their Bible better than the average person in church. They volunteered more. Some of them were on staff. You're much more likely to have been on staff if you dechurch, than the average person in church, um, and so. It- the, the data shows that they're much more involved so i'm excited to see what does that look like when we move into a kind of deconstruction group like because i think that is a very specific group my my heart is that this research gives voice to a, a group that is very voiceless right now in, in the area oh. of academic research but also it, my heart is also that it gives a big kind of fuck you to like the the religious institute which is currently controlling they control the narrative of what deconstruction is right now you yes. type deconstruction into google you'll get a report where everyone's interviewing like John Piper or Bill Johnson or you know Sean foy or whatever, and these guys know absolutely nothing about deconstruction, other than it's pointing out that what they're peddling isn't working for everyone. Um, that's about it. And so what they have to say, it's not based on data, it's not based on truth. And so I'm hoping that it's this also not based on experience.
0: Just, yeah, well, they don't yeah. have any experience with deconstruction because they haven't even asked any of the questions. Yeah, oh I've, oh, I've reached
1: out to a lot of these people and said, look, I my big thing. Kevin, what I want to do is I want to have like people like you know Sean Foyt's talked about um, deconstruction quite a bit, and honestly, the guy drives M&A. me absolutely insane. Even his ramen my god! Oh my god! I would pay a fortune. I, I would. I would like. I would give anything just to sit down and have him on my podcast for two hours and talk because I think it'd be so freaking crazy. Well, how good would that be, right? As a conversation, only if
0: only if I can. Okay. Here's what we do. We're going to call this the, conf- like the, the Christian confrontation podcast where you and me <laughs> and our progressive friends, like three on three panels, right? We get, we, we find the people and then we cuss them out live on air and we put it out. Of front.
1: <laughs> it's just, I, I just, I'm so keen to like, I, I want to do that. That's, that's definitely the darker side of me for sure. Once to just like, I, mean, I, know, I, I see so, any post. I know. And me too. Like I said, like every time I see the post from some of these people, I'm like, God damn it, I'm so angry. But, Another partner wants to just go. Let me just ask them really good questions where they have to give an answer. Like, that's the thing. I just, I really want. I to want an, an see, answer. Are you able to think this through and, and give an answer? And, and just expose because I think what it would do is it would help people see this person isn't capable. They aren't capable. You're Bill Johnson. You're Sean Foyt, They're not capable of engaging with this topic because it's too dangerous. It it, it, it takes away their deep. safety, their their security, their certainty, and, it,
0: and also, their whole it, structure falls apart. That's the thing. Is if the that's the my, my whole thing when my with my past was like i used to talk about it and like it was uh i saw like uh faith during like right before the the big break your um mm. uh what um Dr. Cheryl Anderson, she was uh, she was one of my uh, mentors back in the day. I would sit down with her and I was telling her, I'm like, like here's the thing. Like I'm having, I know that I care about this work. I just don't know about, like all the things, like beginning mm. deconstruction questions. And she says, oh, I think that you're experiencing an epistemological rupture. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> And she said, so funny. "She's like, it's just a fancy way of saying, just like you know something else is true, but you don't understand mm. why you know it's true, and it's causing you distress." Mm. And I'm like, "That's literally that what he summed impression. up perfectly. Just like you know something else is true, and you don't know why, and you're being gaslit into thinking that you're wrong."
1: Yeah,
0: and it's like my dudes, my my ladies, my uh, in between ladies uh i it's like it's just really the question of like not really a question it's just a statement of just like i can't tell you that i'm right i can just tell you that i'm happier yeah and that's really at the end of the day like when i tell people like at at the end there is no end of the road there is no like golden uh horseshoe there is no silver bullet (laughs) to your suffering uh but what good spiritual practice will do for you on the other side of it all like it starts with this shit right here acknowledging mm. what the fuck happened to us yeah. acknowledging what we went through and acknowledging that we were lied to acknowledging mm-hmm. that we were fooled we're not idiots we were lied to and those people didn't know that they were being lied to but you know that's right that's nobody yeah. it's 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 a system's fault it's you yeah. know it's One might call it uh, the ego. It might be like, you know, being in a fallen world, the product of sin. I don't know. But at the end of the day, the question then becomes, what do you want to do? And I think that if you want to heal, you can start today with, that really happened. And that was hard. And I'm not alone in this. That's a big thing, too. You're not alone in this shit. Stop acting like you're so fucking special. That's
1: huge, huge. That's why I started the Deconstruction Network, right? I have people that message me. I talk to hundreds of people every day because... I'm privileged enough that that's what I get to do for my work. Is I get to oh chat my people God, and help them in their process, right? It's the but fucking best. Talking to hundreds of people and you realize that they all feel alone in this journey because you you leave a church, right? Say you were a Baptist and you go, ah, this is bullshit. I'm a charismatic now. That's easy. You just go onto Google Maps, you type in my like, charismatic churches, me. and you find the charismatic church, right? And me too. I've done that. Uh, <laughs> my dad
0: was a Baptist. And now I ended up in a queer black Baptist church. Now, so like, go yes. figure. <laughs> As a, as, a, as, a witch, as a witch and a spiritual teacher um, who reads tarot and leads worship to Jesus. Right, which, <laughs>
1: which you are you are my, as a researcher, you're my like, you know, nightmare. How the hell do I make sure there's a box for you to take? Um, right? <laughs> but, you know, so the point is, though, you know, you do that, right? You type into Google, you just go charismatic churches and you just click through them and you try them. And that's how you find a new community. But when you deconstruct, you go, this is bullshit. I'm done. What the hell do you type into Google Maps? to find a community, mm. to find people, to find a, a place to belong. So you feel alone. But what's interesting is just in America alone, almost 3,000 people leave the church for good, not to go back to another church or to change churches. 3,000 people leave the church for good in America every day. Every day, 3,000 people. Just under it. It was between 2000 and 2,900. Yeah, every day. It's astonishing. It's, about, it's, Alexa, it's, over. it's uh,
0: but, three? you said 3,000?
1: yeah it's it's just about it's just between one and three million depending on the year sorry no screwed up your alexa i I basically was alexa for you that 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 number is just over a million um but it it can be up to three million depending on like the the windows because it it fluctuates a lot Oh it's a huge amount and what's interesting is of that number 78 percent of them say they still have some form of spirituality so a lot Mm -hmm. of them aren't becoming you know radical atheists right but what's interesting is the vast majority of them feel completely alone and so I would wager if you got out your door and you walk down your street and you just started knocking on your door and said, did you used to go to church and you don't anymore, but you believe there's something more, right? Other than you sounding like you know, you're part of some cult I'm trying to recruit, I would wager a huge percentage of your street would go, yeah. And mm-hmm. that's it. We feel alone. But actually, on the 100 people that live on my street, maybe 50 of them. Mm -hmm. are are in a similar position now obviously different people are at different stages they found different contentment with that they they some people want that community some people don't really care they've got other community around friends work Mm -hmm. whatever like it's not not everyone's in exactly the same situation but the point is you are so not alone like Mm -hmm. there are so many of you so that's why i started the deconstruction network you just put your name and your city and mm-hmm. it shows you everyone in that window, you know, and you can just click on and go, hey, you want to go for a beer? I got a, a message sent to me yesterday on Instagram. It's a picture of someone. It's just him and some guy. And he's like holding beers. And they're like, we just met through the Deconstruction Network. And I'm like, oh, it just makes me so happy. Oh, my God. You're a friendship well, Your friendship uh, dating service. If, if I ever get money, because I've no uh, uh, no web development skills at all, and this thing is held together by shoelaces. But if I ever get money, I'm going to turn an option somehow to be able to tick like, and also I'm single, like because <laughs> that would be gold, right? How much? How? Let you think, like, oh, I want to make it, friends. We're taking, it we're taking it back.
0: We're taking it
1: back to yeah. like message
0: board level, like misconnections. You know what I'm saying? This is going to be great.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it'll get there. It'll get there. So uh, yeah. my goal is to hook up everyone in the world with friends, with love, like just to make the world a bit more. Of a you know,
0: place. not to not to throw um, throw an identity on you, but I would call you a digital pastor, too.
1: Yeah, I probably am. I, I often say I'm the pastor for people that hate pastors.
0: Ah, so. same. <laughs> um, I love you. OK, give everyone the data on like where they can find you, your work, mm-hmm. connect with Deconstruction Network. You said deconstructionnetwork.com and. Yep. That. That's a great place to
1: connect with other people to get involved with the research. PhilDrysdale.com is my website. You can find things like the Patreon and stuff like that through that. Um, the biggest place, honestly, is just come and hang out with me on Instagram. I love talking with people, hearing about your journey, supporting you in that in any way I can. It's just PhilDrysdale, just my name, P H I L D R Y S D L E. Um, but I'd love to chat, love to connect. And I put out weekly q and a's i put memes quotes i, I try mean and I research stuff the
0: meme game is strong i love memes
1: i just i just if stuff isn't funny what are we doing right i mean even as we are wading through a sea of depression in 2020 um as we deconstruct and we were so certain that you know this was a year to deconstruct it'd be easy to make friends and now we're utterly alone locked in a house on our own with no faith is there even a god who am i like i have no friends my mom hates me um you know, we should be able to laugh. Let's try and make some people laugh in that situation, uh, right?
0: Because like, this dude. is fucking terrible, isn't it? Like I can't, I can't wait for us to go on a comedy road show, and it's just going to be up. It's like shit talking ourselves. oh 100 percent. Like deconstruction, honey. Let me tell you what. When I started having sex, honey. Oh, honey. <laughs> I wasn't worried about the second coming, honey. That was my conversation with Phil DrySdale. Like he said, you can find him across the internet at PhilDrysdale and at phildrysdale.com. If you want to get involved with the deconstruction network, you can go to deconstructionnetwork.com. Get all that shit. Go be a part of it. It's gonna be wonderful. So like I always I'm like this is something like I'm really passionate about is all of these different online communities that have cropped up, whether it's with me in the spiritual reformation community, the deconstruction network, the dirty rotten church kids, like there are circles that are beginning to gather and now we're becoming Venn diagrams. And eventually we're going to become one big circle, you know, maybe in this whole spiritual revolution that we're having, you know what I'm saying? Uh, anyways, Phil, I'm so thankful for your work. Thank you for being on the show and I love you so that's it let me just roll some credits a tiny revolution is supported by 202 amazing humans over on patreon and if you don't know what patreon is it's the easiest way to support the creatives in your life that are making content that matters to you so if this if this conversation blessed you spoke to you allowed you to get some more new language uh you should bless the girls Please, because it really does help support this. This is what I do full time now, between coaching and content creation. Um, eat that 11 to $33 a month in the Patreon community really does fucking change my life. And especially going on the road this summer, there's gonna be so much new content, so much behind the scenes stuff, and so many ways that um, we're gonna be growing together. Um, so please go over to patreon.com slash Garcia and learn about what we're doing in there and come join the fun. We have meetings every new moon and full moon. I'm constantly posting meditations. We're like, it's fun. It's just fucking fun and who doesn't want to have a fun spirituality? I'll tell you boring people and you're not a boring person, Jenny. You're not a boring person, Sam. You're not a boring person, Talon. You know, I don't know who you are or what your name is but you're not boring, I know that much. So get over to patreon.com slash cd kevin garcia have i said it enough times i'm sure i have so i'm done um other things um merch dropping soon we're going on tour buy my book bad theology kills it's at badtheologykills.com. and uh yeah make sure you're following irreverent underscore fm across social media and all of our other podcasts we're still learning what it is to be a collective of people we haven't really quite pulled the trigger on that what we really needed some money and a project manager honestly. So if you're someone out there who is a project manager and you want to give your time a little bit, um, holler at us. There's ways to get involved and we want you in there. All that's at irreverent.fm. That's www.irreverent.fm. See you over there. That's all. <clears throat> that's it. I love you. This has been another episode of a tiny revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia. Until next time, please remember to take your men's, move your body, call your person, snuggle with your dog, eat something delicious. Um, and you know, masturbate, you know, May is apparently masturbation month. I don't, I, someone told me that, but I mean, every month is masturbation month. If you try hard enough, you know what I'm saying? No pun intended. Okay. I'll see y'all next time. Bye.